The scripture reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 41 verses 44 to 55 uh, 57. Genesis chapter 41. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will leave hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephaniah and gave him Asenah, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the, flood, uh, the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food ground, grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Now we invite Reverend Anita for Sermon Nations Hope. Thank you, Reverend Gabriel. Let us all come before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful to you for today and for this time. That Father, you have set aside for us to come together in your sanctuary to worship you. I thank you, God, for all my brothers uh, who are here in person, as well as those who are joining us online. Father, as your word has been read, and now, Lord, as your word is being preached, speak to all of us. Open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we read through the passage just now, uh, many of us would then recall uh, the, what was read was the end of, or well, the middle of the career of uh, Joseph. Now, earlier on, uh, what happened in Joseph, what happened in his family, I think most of us are familiar. We have gone through the Sunday school stories, or some of us may have read the stories to children. Uh, this morning during the Chinese service, of course, the children were here, and so I asked the children, I said, if you look at the picture, who do you think it is about? Uh, I think we all can guess, right? It is Joseph, and the clue is that uh, he has a multi-color coat. Uh, we know the story. Uh, the father, uh, Jacob, gave that to uh, uh, Joseph. Now, Joseph was the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac. He grew up in the land of Cana uh, with a large family. Now, again, this is something that we don't do today, but uh, Jacob, his father, had four wives and each of them had several children. 
uh, in total, there were 12 sons. And the Bible only mentioned one daughter. There could be more, but um, only one daughter was mentioned. And of course, we know the story. The father loved the youngest wife, Rachel, a lot. And that uh, so, and of course, loved the two sons, uh, Joseph and Benjamin. And so Joseph got this color, multi-color uh, coat. Uh, we know the story. The brothers got very jealous. And that the f brother, uh, and of course, to top it up, Joseph had dreams. And then he bragged about the dreams, right? The sheaves uh, cut by the brothers bowed down to his. And then the, another dream was the, even the star and the moon and all the other stars all bowed down to him. And of course, that angered the brothers, okay? And then you all know the story. The brother, one fine day, the brother managed, uh, he went to visit the brother. The brother caught hold of him, threw him in a pit, and then later on uh, sold him to passing uh, Egyptian uh, merchants, merchants. And then Joseph was in Egypt. He did very well in the household of Potiphar. Uh, but then um, he was wrongly accused. He went to jail. He spent time in jail. And then finally, the passage that was read for us, he um, explained the dream of a pharaoh. And then Pharaoh gave him a position, a very high position in the country, make him a national leader. And of course, later, uh, Joseph's brother came and um, uh, Joseph forgave them. Uh, his uh, words were, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good, for the preservation of, of lives. And so if you have forgotten some of these details, I would encourage you to go back, reread the story. And then for those of you, uh, parents, grandparents, uh, read that story again uh, to the younger ones. Now, uh, in the Bible, um, there are altogether three Josephs. Okay, One uh, in the Old Testament that we are looking at today. And then, of course, uh, Joseph, uh, husband of Mary, mother of Jesus. And, of course, uh, Joseph of uh, Arimathea, the one whose tomb was used by Jesus. Um, why did I choose the passage of Joseph and yet call it a nation's hope? Now, those of us who may remember the General Conference of the Methodist Church in Malaysia, our theme for this four years is a renewed church. And so there are four areas that we are seeking the Lord, we are praying for renewal. First of all is empowering churches. And remember the first quarter, the pastor spent time talking about how we can empower the church, empower our members, whether young or old, and that how we can be salt and light. Okay, And then we talk about enriching families. Second quarter, we spend time talking about families. And the last, uh, the third quarter, we were talking about education, enhancing education. Now we're into the fourth quarter, the last three months of the year. And so the last point is engaging the nation. Now I'm not sure whether you all had the paper written by uh, Bishop Jay Kumar, uh, the Bishop of the Methodist Church in Malaysia, about this renewing the church. And under the section of engaging the nation, he suggested four ideas. All right. First of all, we must be a Christian voice to the nation in an organized way, not in with individual just making noises, but together, collectively, we must be the voice to the government. Or some of us call it, we need to be the conscience of the government. We need to point out that there is a mandate for justice. We need to uh, 
talk about kindness and we ourselves need to walk humbly before God. And so this is what the church is about. This is what God has called us uh, in Micah 6.8 and this is what we need to do, a collective Christian voice, not just a voice, all right? a Christian voice. The second thing that we can do, we need to be interested in advocacy, not just you know know about it and then and then that's it. We need to be, we need to state our principle, we need to state our mandate, and we need to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. And so we need to always be alert. And I think that's what we have been doing. We've been trying to raise awareness. We need to talk about religious freedom. Is there religious freedom in our country? Some of you will be nodding your head, no? But think about it. The religious freedom for some people. Not all of us have the freedom to choose our faith. We don't have religious freedom in Malaysia. What about education? Is education, good quality education, Somebody's already shaking their head before I ask the question. Is good quality education available for all? We'll be shaking our heads again. What about marriages, families? What is a marriage? The Bible's definition is one man and one woman. What is marriage in Malaysia? What is the current view of marriage? Are we raising awareness among our people, families, natural environment, social economic welfare, treatment of migrant workers and refugees? This is things that the church must be aware of. We need to be interested. Very sadly, very often the church is only interested in our four walls. Yesterday, we had a district conference and uh, for the English-speaking churches and we've elected our district leader. Uh, about a month ago, we elected leaders for the church. And then in another month's time, we'll be electing leaders for the annual conference. What about what happens outside? Are we interested in national leaders? Are we interested in leaders in the society, in the community? So these are things that we need to be aware of. What about helping the poor? Now, one of the special characteristics of Methodist churches is we're very concerned for the society, all right? Part of our heritage, we talk about social concern, Christian social concern, and so we help the poor, all right? But some of us get quite tired because the poor is increasing. And so we get tired, we may want to give up, but we don't. Because that is something that the Lord has called us to. Remember what Jesus said? If you do to the least of these, my brothers, you are doing it to me. When we see the poor, the hungry, the naked, we don't just see them. We see Jesus Christ. And so remember the, the, the uh, uh, teaching that Jesus taught in Matthew. When you do this to the least of your brothers, you are doing it to me. And so we don't give up. And in fact, why are we so concerned about social concern? It's because John Wesley instructed the early Methodists. He says this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people 
you can. As long as you can. The emphasis is on the word all. And so my dear brothers and sisters, even if we grow weary, we should continue to draw strength from the Lord and continue to care for the needy. And then finally, as a church, we as the people of God, we are the standard setters. We need to continue to be godly leaders in nation building by setting good examples. We are the front runners. And so we need to maintain financial integrity and conduct our business affairs ethically. Sadly, again, in the last few years, you have you all know of stories of the failures of Christian leaders or of lack of integrity, of covering up in the churches. And so the way the church manages our affairs ought to be a gold standard for the world. And then the paper continues the church leadership and trusted with overseeing the church must not overlook wrongful action should they take place in the church. Now, very often in the church, if there's any wrongful action, what do we do? We quickly cover up, sweep it under the carpet. If we do that, then we lose the moral authority to engage the nation because we cover up as well. And so these are things that we need to be aware of as we talk about engaging the nation. And why do I choose Joseph to talk about a nation's hope? Now, as I went through very quickly earlier on about the life of Joseph, now Joseph grew up in a big family, right? He's the son of Jacob, as I said, uh, grandson of Isaac, but the great-grandson of Abraham. Now, Joseph lived in a time before the giving of the law. The giving of the law was in Moses, alright, but it was in Exodus. So there was no law, alright? There's no law, there's no worship in the temple. And so we would not sometimes, you know, say, oh yeah, Joseph is a Christian. No, he was not. Alright, a Christian is somebody who accepts Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay, at this point, Jesus hasn't come yet. But yet, without a doubt, Joseph knew about the Creator God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Because Abraham would have told his sons, Isaac, uh, uh, his children, about who God was to him. How God called him out of Ur. How God made him a channel of blessing and so on and so on. And then when he came to Jacob, Joseph's father, remember the incident of Jacob leaving home because Isaac, uh, Isaac asked him to go and look for a wife back to uh, his mother's uh, home village? And then he went on his way. Now, we all know Jacob wasn't such a nice guy, wasn't he? Right? He cheated his older brother. And on his way out, one night when he was sleeping, he had a dream. He had a dream of a ladder coming down from heaven and angels were going up and down. And then God said, I am the Lord of Abraham. I am God of Isaac. And what did Jacob do when he woke up? 
Immediately he made a vow saying, God, if you would be with me, watch over me, give me food to eat close to where, and then I can return safely, then what would I do? You will be my God. Right, this is his personal experience, this is his personal commitment to this God of his father, God of his grandfather. And then out of his own will, out of his own initiative, verse 22, let's read this together. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. God did not say, you give me a tenth. Jacob himself said it. And then of course we know Jacob went then to um, his mother's home uh, village, uh, got cheated, married one wife, second wife, third wife, fourth wife, and then they all had children and we know a messy, messy family. Whatever our family problems may be, it's all here in this family. Sibling rivalry, parental favoritism, Wives fighting, lying, cheating, rivalry between wives and children, and even murder. This is, if we talk about skeletons in our own family, it can't be worse than this. It can't be worse than this family. But this is the family that Joseph grew up in. Can you imagine a little boy growing up in this kind of family? You see your father fighting with all the wives. You see all the wives, your mother and the other mothers all fighting. You see your older siblings fighting. You hear the story of murder. You see lying, cheating, rivalry and you grow up like that. And of course, no wonder when the father gave Joseph a multicolored coat, what did he do? He bragged about it. I'm the favorite. He showed off. When he had dream, he showed off. That's Joseph's character. And no wonder the brother hated him. And so that's the family background that was Joseph's upbringing. And then he went to Egypt. But we're thankful that this young man, when he was in a foreign land, he, was, he had integrity in his job. He did a good job. The master loved him, trusted him, gave him everything that he could function. But when he was tempted, now there's a clue here. When he was tempted and when he rejected the master's wife's advances, what did he say? He said, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has upheld, not, uh, has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And then he went on to say, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He didn't say, I would not sin against my master, which is, which is what he would be doing if he, if he accepted the advances of the wife. But you see his motivation deep down, he knew his sin is not just sinning against his master, but sinning against God. And so we can say that despite all his messy family, despite his upbringing in a very, very terrible 
environment, Joseph had God in his life. He knew that when he sinned, he is not sinning just against another human being. He is sinning against God. I, well, maybe because of the pandemic in the last uh, uh, two and a half years, I do not know where are the speed traps in Kuching. Can anybody tell me where are the speed traps in Kuching? Where, if I drive, I should be extra careful because there's a speed trap. I don't know. Not in Kuching. But in Miri, I know. Okay, as we go from church to town, there is one particular, um, uh, what you call it, uh, pedestrian uh, bridge, overhead bridge, where the police is usually hiding there, okay, with the speed gun. Uh, and then uh, as you drive down, because you drive down a slope, so most people will be speeding and then you'll be caught. Every now and then, one or two church members would text to me, Pastor, today got police up there, be careful. I would return text and say, I'm not really afraid of the police and their speed track guns because they will only be there for a short time. Who knows, by the time I go to town, they may not be there. I'm more concerned of the other policemen who watches me 24-7. Uh, that one, I scared. If I speed, if I sin, if I break a law, it's not against the police. It's against him. Somebody uh, recently I heard, uh, we all talk about CCTV. CCTV will be able to see us. Somebody said, we're not afraid of CCTV. We're afraid of he see TV. He sees. And so this is very much a part of Joseph's life. I'm not, he's not as much concerned about sinning against the master as much as he is concerned about sinning against God. And then, of course, Joseph went to jail. In jail, he, make, made, uh, he met the cupbearer and the baker. And then when they had dreams, they asked him to interpret. And what did Joseph say to them? In Genesis chapter 40, verse 8, Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? See, straight away, before he interpreted the dreams, he already gave the credit to God. I'm God's servant. I can interpret. No. He said, do not interpretations belong to God. And then when Pharaoh had a dream, Pharaoh asked him to interpret. Again, he said, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer. 41.25, same incident. Pharaoh said to Joseph, the dreams of Pharaoh are one but the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And so, in the years of pain and suffering and being wrongly accused, this young man has been molded to continue to trust in the Lord. And so that brings us to our passage today. When he became a leader, when he had power and authority, what kind of leader did he become? The kind that took the welfare and the needs of the people seriously. The kind who knew that he's in a particular position because God placed him there. The kind of leader 
who has God's wisdom to make godly, righteous, fair decisions. Sadly, we don't have many of that in Malaysia, do we? As we talk about GE15, who are you going to vote? Sometimes our hearts are broken because we don't have good choices. But my dear brothers and sisters, why do I call it a nation's hope? Joseph is a nation's hope. Because exactly this is who or these are people who we're looking for. People who, like Joseph, may have come from a terrible family background. People in their young age who may be so arrogant that we will not want them at all. But people whom God has chosen to be molded. And so that's our hope. Now you all know this state saying leaders are made, not born. We want leaders to be born, right? Straight away we get a good leader. That doesn't happen. Leaders are made. And so that gives us a lot of hope, doesn't it? Where are the Josephs now? We don't know. We may not be able to see. All we see is that, you know, we roll our eyes. If you have met Joseph in his younger days, we will have also rolled our eyes as well. But we continue to pray. We continue to hope. And so, my dear friends, we have been calling for people to pray for our nation. And many of us, we're praying for the current situation, right? We need to pray for our nation's future. The little ones now, the children, the youth, the teenagers, these are the Josephs in making. And as much as Joseph was such a blessing to the nation of Egypt, we pray that the Lord would also raise Josephs amongst us here in Malaysia. Godly, righteous, transparent leaders who care for other people rather than themselves. That brings me to the second point. Now we all know about Transparency International, right? This group looks at all the uh, Transparency or Corruption Index Okay, or corruption perception index, uh, and if you look at the color of the of the world, the map of the world, okay, the yellow color, the uh, mustard color, these are countries where the corruption index is very low. Okay, I think number one is uh, Denmark, and Singapore is quite high on that list, and then the other colors, the red and the brown color, these are countries where corruption is very rampant. Malaysia was 57. It has dropped down to 62. We all know of the numerous court cases now. It's all to do with corruption. It's all to do with leaders who have failed our trust. And we can get very, very discouraged. But what discouraged me even more was my the recent article. After UPM survey finds students admitting to bribery, the professor moots harsher penalties and new anti-graph school lessons. 
Now I'll, tell, I'll share with you, I'm not sure how many of you read this article, but I'll share with you what this article said. From 2017 to August 2020, 5,600 people were arrested and of these, 57.8% are below 40 years old. Shocking. In 2020, 275 persons were arrested and these 275 aged between 18 and 30. Friends, corruption is not just for people way up there. Corruption is so much a part of our lives now. And very sadly, among the very, very young, 18 to 30 years old. The survey went on to highlight that the younger generation tend to compete with one another in flaunting their possessions on social media. Right? We have seen that. And then this reminds me of Joseph, doesn't it? Flaunting his multicolour coat everywhere he walked, he showed off. That caused his brother to be jealous and then finally to take action out of their jealousy. Things have not changed. The human heart has not changed. We still desire competition. We're still jealous and envious of each other. But the salvation is the gospel. And so today, as we talk about Joseph being the nation's hope, there are Josephs everywhere. But who is helping them? And so as often as we talk about disciple-making, we want to make disciples in the church, we need to also be making nation-builders. Where are the nation-builders? This morning, I asked the children in the Chinese congregation, I said, if I want rubbish, where do I go and find rubbish? Rubbish bin, right? The kids say rubbish bin. And they say, if I want good quality stuff, where do I go? Do I go to the rubbish bin? I go to good quality places if it's food, good quality restaurants, if I need to buy groceries, good supermarkets. I go to good places to look for quality stuff. Where do I go to look for good quality leaders? If not in the church, tell me where. And so who are the suppliers? I put the inverted commas. Who are the suppliers of leaders? You and I. And so when we talk about the nation's hope, the nation's hope is here, not outside. As we look at the life of Joseph, we see his messy background and we would have given up on him and his family. But we don't. We continue to have hope. We continue to pray for the future. We look into the future. Each one of us here this morning and those at home, we are responsible for our nation's presence and future. We need to be looking into nation building, building good quality leaders, not just for the church. 
I know we were talking about uh, uh, the church, isn't it? We were looking for leaders for our local church executive committee. We were looking for people to serve at the district level. But we need to also be looking at nation builders and supply leaders. Leaders who are just. Leaders who are righteous. Leaders with integrity. Leaders who are firm and leaders who look into the welfare of everyone else, not just himself or herself. So my dear brothers and sisters, today, as we partake of the Holy Communion, somebody invested in our lives, God, sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us, that we may know of His love, we may know of His grace, we may know of His faithfulness. And as we partake, let's pray for ourselves and let's pray for our nation and let's make a commitment to the Lord, you have given us this land. I'm a Malaysian, I'm a Sarawakian. I want to invest into my future. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, yes, you have given us this nation. You have given us this place we call home. And as we are mindful, God, of how you raised Joseph up, and even though his family was messy, and even he himself, but yet, God, you saw in him a righteous leader. And so today we pray, Lord, I know you see all the Josephs in our land. And we pray, God, you protect them, you guide them, you bring them up. As we pray for the future of our nation, and I pray for ourselves, that, Father, we would want to be nation builders, be part of a nation building, and that we want to be the suppliers of godly leaders, not just for the church, for the society and for the nation. We give thanks to you for hearing our prayers, because we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.